Welcome! I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. And I'm Tim. Fuck that guy Wayne. Woo! And that guy Andrew. Always stealing my spot. Yeah. Dick. Well, Andrew officially quit, though. Yeah, screw that guy. Or went on... uh... Andrew's on maternity leave. (laughs) (laughs) Same difference. He's been furloughed. (laughs) Wow, like fertile soil is what (laughs) Yeah, who needs that guy? We do. I do. I I, I, I hug my pillow every night thinking of Andrew. Yeah. And kiss it a little. Sticky pillow. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking Uh, of sticky pillows... um, I uh, I judged a just, uh, just go with it. Yeah, I am. I just you know the, the the transition makes little sense, but I, I'm going with it. Um, I uh, judged a high school debate tournament yesterday. Is it because they caught you sitting around on the playground? Oh wait, <laughs> high schools don't have playgrounds. Is that because you're a master at debating? I am a master baiter. Yes. Yes. Um, no, Explaining I. That joke makes it funnier. Uh, it does, doesn't it? Um, right. I uh, I was a gigantic speech and debate nerd back in high school, and so uh, every now and then I get asked to judge tournaments. And so I, I went over to uh, the high school yesterday, and as me and the other judge are waiting for the for the room to take shape, you know, because uh, it, it's a really an interesting uh, type of debate. You know, I'm real familiar with like Lincoln Douglas debate and cross examination debate, and this was congressional style debate. And what they do is and, – and this will sound like hell. They put you in a room full of 20 teenagers, oh. and, <laughs> and they – they it's a debate similar to what you would have in Congress. So there are like 20 different people, and each of them is going to give a different speech, and they're you know talking about uh, you know the different issues that are on the docket. And I mean it is hard in a, a period of three hours – to judge 20 different people each giving a different speech and some of them giving as many as three speeches you know during during the process but anyway so me and the, the other judge are waiting for uh, the event to start and uh, he says are you a reader and I said yeah and he goes man my wife and I we're reading the five languages of love you familiar with it and I'm like no and when in my head I'm thinking and neither should you. <laughs> and he says, well, you know, I learned in reading this book with my wife is that I've got different love languages than her. You know, like I'm a touch affirmation. And she's and the whole time I'm just like, shut up. And in fact, I, what I really wanted to say to this guy is, uh, dude, I, I, I don't read words. <laughs> I mean, it was it was awful. So I, I just need to tell our, our, our friends out there that uh, if, in fact, your woman has made you read a, a book such as The Five Languages of Love. It is never appropriate to have this conversation with the, with another guy, particularly a complete stranger. But what I really <laughs> think this guy was telling me is that he's grown a vagina. That's what I think he's telling me. It was horrific. Now, I think that's rather insensitive of you, Aaron. I, I, I highly recommend the five languages of love to all of our listeners. Of you recommend it, Paul, because you're a woman. Especially the comic <laughs> adaptation from Blue Water Comics. <laughs> now, now one, of the, one of the kids that was debating yesterday, he gets up, you know, you know, and we're in Texas, right? So he gets up and he, start, he says, yes, I am representing the affirmative on this position. And I mean, I almost write... Probably wouldn't have gone with the British accent, you know, <laughs> for, a mo- for a moment, it sounded like he was doing a voice. And then I realized, oh, this kid's actually British. <laughs> and so he does this thing. And I mean, he was the biggest prick. He, I mean, they get to, they get to, they get to question each other. And this one kid's up there and they're debating on the subject of South Sudan. And the kid keeps citing statistics for Sudan. And so when this when the British kid gets up to ask his question, he says, "Are you aware that Sudan and South Sudan are in fact two different nations?" <laughs> I mean, I'm like, "You're an asshole. I love it." <laughs> anyway, judging a high school debate fun, but stay away from the creepy uh, judges who read the five languages of love. That's all I'm Where's saying. The little British jerk. <laughs> I love the little British jerk. I love him. <laughs> Are you, are you aware 
that you're a blithering idiot. <laughs> it was like he was training for the House of Commons. It was great. Uh, also, stay away from the creepy old guy reading Supergirl on his iPad. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, well, that sounds like a fun way to spend a Friday I, night. I gotta tell you, sounds like a way. I, I gotta tell you, I had a blast. These these kids, I. I have I have been in and seen a lot of debate, and these are pro- these were probably the most talented kids I've ever seen. These kids are fantastic. So, question for you? Yeah. Did you show up sober or drunk? Oh, no, I was drunk off my ass. So yeah, oh, good, 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 good. It's good. really the only way to do that. Yeah, uh, uh, probably. <laughs> uh, you know what I think? I think we need to have an intervention, Aaron. Uh, you know, like that bogus collection intervention thing you had me watch. <laughs> what is bogus about it? Oh my god. Uh, Tim, you haven't seen this piece of shit, have you? Uh, uh, one channel, Aaron. Okay, I just just double checking. Didn't want to. Yeah, I'm, I'm safe. Movie. Okay, so uh, you know, Paul mentions on a, on a prior episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly um, that you know he's watched this collection intervention show, and Aaron he says you should watch it. So I watched the episode that is about the guy who's got thirty thousand comic books. And he is shacking up with this woman, quote his fiance, um, who is all who is all wrapped around the axle because comic long boxes are cover their entire apartment, and that there's you know they they can't even you know squeeze into their dining room, they can't entertain because it's comic book long boxes everywhere in this house, and so you know you've got this you know blondie auctioneer lady who wants to clear out his collection, reduce it by half, she says. And they, you know, the thing is that they keep saying is, well, you know, your, your fiancé wants this. Your fiancé wants to sit at a table. You're, and, and she starts making comments about his collection, about how, you know, well, you know, sure, you've got all these great runs and you've taken pristine care of, of your books. But, you know, you really don't have any silver or golden age, so your collection is really not worth anything. I don't think the issue was that it was that it was worth anything financial. I think it was the fact that he valued his collection. And she's in there saying, "Well, you're collecting the wrong thing." So that frustrated me. But really, I got to say, what really, really bugged me about the whole thing is that at no point did anybody say, "Hey, have you thought about getting a bigger apartment? Have you thought about getting an apartment where you've got a room just for your shit?" Or, "Hey, maybe you should ask the question: Do you really want to be with this woman?" If you if you are so attached to your collection and you're not interested in making her 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 happy, maybe that's the question that you should be asking. Or maybe y'all should wait to move in until y'all can afford a place with with an extra room. Because they were clearly in a one bedroom apartment, and th- thus he's taking up all the living space. That's what that's what just infuriated me about that show. Now the freaky <laughs> guy with the transformers, yeah, yeah, that that guy uh, that guy had problems. Because, yeah, I mean, fuck, it's Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that I think he I think he put the comics above everything else, and I think that was the issue that they were trying to address. Well, I don't think he put it above work because he always had money to spend on comics, right? Okay, okay. So there's, there's one thing that, that he put above. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe he put the, the emphasis on work so that he could afford comics. But all I saw was this, the, the only time I saw anything that, that I, I thought was valuable in the relationship that he had with her, that she demonstrated any understanding is when, you know, she supported him in his decision not to sell his Starman books, you know, but every other time she's just like, well, what's in it for me? You know, and you know she's been with this guy this whole time. It's not like these thirty thousand comic books just showed the fuck up. You know, she's known him for however long they've known each other. I assume she's been to his home and seen his thirty thousand comics. So at some point, she she must have said, "Wow, that's a lot of comics," and she needed to reconcile herself to that shit, as opposed to going, "Okay, I'm in the house now. Get rid of your shit." Yeah, no, I I, I agree. You know, you know what you do. Is you find somebody who maybe shares that interest with you, and you dump that bitch. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. You know my uh, my uh, comics are relegated to my man cave. You know my my comics don't live anywhere else in my house, right? 
You know, so I get that you need to control the size of your collection and that there's an appropriate place for it. My point is that for this guy, it's been a big part of his life for clearly a long time. And she's acting like all of a sudden this stuff just showed up. When she control the size of it and there's a there's a place for it, just like your penis. That's right. That's right. And, you know, she uh, she's the one who just showed up. She's the one who lifts out. If you'll notice, she is neither polybagged or boarded. You put it. Or was she really in mint condition? No, she's not. She's rather dinged up around the edges. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that if you had wizard, uh, you know, assess her, I think she's maybe, you know, a four. So I'm just saying. That's Aaron. Solutions oriented man. I am. Cut that bitch loose. Well, maybe you can help me with one of my problems. Okay, I'm in. All right. So Alpha has destroyed Amazing Spider-Man for me. I'm sorry. He bukkakeed all over Amazing Spider-Man, <laughs> and I, I can't, can't go back. I'm, I'm walking away, and the music's playing in the background as I head down the highway without Spider-Man. Yeah. So, you know, all these, all these months where you guys are like, you know, Scarlet Spider is really actually good, and he's kind of more of a badass than real Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. It finally sunk in my brain. Why am I reading Pussy Spider-Man? <laughs> why are you reading pussy spider-man so i said to myself i like badass people i could read badass spider-man and so i go to the comic store on friday uh-huh. and i'm like hey this empty spot this is where scarlet spider was wasn't it <laughs> he's like it sure is i said wow so you're really out huh he's like yep i'm out and it, it, we have a little bit of a conversation. Well, the, you know, the, the the we live by we live the place where I get my comics is kind of by a college. And he's like, yeah. It's, I, he's like, I think it's the new kids that they went back to college and they haven't quite figured out their polls yet. And blah blah blah. Like those damn assholes. Good for you, but I don't get Spider Man. I'm sorry, but I think you'd really enjoy Scarlet Spider. I think so too. Yeah. And since I'm not buying Amazing Spider Man anymore, I. I I'm without a Spider-Man. Yeah, and Scarlet Spider only comes out once a month, so it's still a savings for you. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's both a, a a sound financial decision as well as a sound creative decision. I I, I think so, and I think everybody should jo- should join me. I agree. Hey, not only not only smaller cover price. I mean, not only once a month, but smaller cover price. I don't see how I'm losing. So uh, I, I think know. you're saving like if you do the math, it's like saving like what sixty one percent if we use uh, Paul's accounting. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that web and sons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I you know uh, we won't talk about it on the show this week, but uh, uh, the current issue of Scarlet Spider was fantastic, and what I like about it is that it's very much a a badass, almost bad guy trying struggling to be a hero and. Uh, it's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, sounds like somebody I know. So I know, right? I'm not the only one that's been disappointed by the comic shop guy, have I, Paul? No. My comic shop guy is fucking with me. <laughs> do you need the so, whiff in there? Uh, yes, I do. Because okay. I, I, I haven't been going every week lately. Um, because of... You know, I've been picking up a lot of stuff digitally, you know, just enough to talk about on the podcast. And, and you're you whoring around town. Yeah, I mean, I'm just busy. I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff. Right. But yeah. I'm Paula uh-huh. Ponte. I'm a big fucking deal, buddy. Yeah, whoa. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm kind of big on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it's Halloween next month. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> I got yeah, a I got, holiday named after me. <laughs> I got a plan. Look at the size of my junk. I'm fucking Paula Ponte. <laughs> <laughs> My balls hang low, son. <laughs> son. So, in my poll list, or in my polls this week, were Frankenstein Agent of Shade number zero. Why the hell would you have that? Demon Knights number oh, zero. Oh dear. <laughs> and no, no, the the coup de gras. Deathstroke. Oh. Zero. <laughs> Written and drawn. By the master Rob Liefeld, and I'm like, yeah, what? no, your, your guy's fucking with you. <laughs> he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, the last issue of Deathstroke I bought was one back in <laughs> September 2011. Yikes! He's just daring you to put it back. That's he, that's he, he really 
the, the last <laughs> issue of Deathstroke I bought was Flashpoint. <laughs> nice. I'm just like you're you're just you are just messing with me at this point. Like there's literally like is there a hole in the box above me that it falls <laughs> through into my box or something? <laughs> Does anybody read Deathstroke? I was gonna say I hope not because that means somebody else actually asked to pull those. Well, and is upset that it didn't show up in their box. Hey. Yeah. Oh. Where's my the- steaming pile of crap? <laughs> I need my Rob Liefeld fix. Oh, God, who really needs a Rob what? Liefeld fix? I mean, shit. <laughs> well, a Scott Snyder needs a Rob Liefeld fix. <laughs> you know, the thing I love about Twitter is the immediacy and uh, how personal private conversations can suddenly become public conversations for all of us to enjoy. I <laughs> I really appreciate that about Twitter. Um, this so our- week... Go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. <laughs> this week on Master Twitter Theater. Master Tweet <laughs> Theater. Um, so a couple weeks ago, or was it Yeah, about two weeks ago, Rob Liefeld, when he announced he was quitting DC, basically burned all his bridges <laughs> with DC Comics. Right. And um, Scott Snyder kind of talked to him offline first. Yeah, because well, uh, one because, of the things that Rob Liefeld pointed out was something about Batman. Yeah, Liefeld was giving Scott Snyder some shit. Yeah. And and so, you know, Scott Snyder, you know, w- took it to DM, you know, which is the classy thing to do. This doesn't need to be public, even though we enjoy it when it becomes so. Um, and so he took it to DM and, you know, started started talking to, uh, to to Mr. Liefeld. And so as a service provided by Funny Books with Aaron, Polly and Tim, we read the tweets. Yes. Paul will be assuming the role of Scott Snyder. Ooh. I will be assuming the role of Rob Liefeld. Paul. Dude, why are you mad at me? I'm genuinely confused. It's not specific to me, but I am not sure why you're so angry at me. Like I said, I've always been in your corner at DC. Smiley face. We aren't doing this in private anymore. You are fucking crazy. Anyone on Batman is called head Batman writer. It's called the lead book by editorial. Wasn't aware you were head Batman writer. Ooh, nice title if you're into that. LOL. Greg will reiterate that more strongly than me to you. I can assure you if you are talking about us. When I show some stats, it'll be clear who I'm speaking of, not you. I could give two shits about what you say, pro or con about anyone. Sorry. Sure you. Batman doesn't sell the way it does because it's Batman. It sells that way because of me and Greg. I ask because everyone is asking me to respond to you, but I am giving this the benefit of the doubt and hoping you are not talking about me. As the head Batman writer and someone who just defended Smitty a bit, and and you, I would assume you're talking about me. Not so? Really, Scott? Are you the only guy working on Batman? That's my answer. I'll wait to hear back from you here. I'll ask you privately, Rob. You've always been supportive of me, and I have been the same. But was a Batman comment aimed at me? It's not you. It never has been. It's Batman. So at this point, Rob Liefeld takes it to Twitter, out into the open. And he says, this is from Scott Snyder. I can assure you Batman doesn't sell the way it does uh, because it's Batman. It sells that way because of me and Greg. Get over yourself, you pretentious prick Scott Snyder. Been berated in DMs by Scott Snyder this morning. Excuse me if I don't marvel at your amazing abilities to write Batman. Piss off. I'd like to think that if you're going to wave your ego around on Batman, you'd remember all that came before you. Holy crap. Average Batman book sells 80K. Nuff said. Nice. Your Twitter feed's the best thing you've written all year. Of course, because it's not edited. Aw, I'll give you credit, Rob. Batman might sell in spite of me and Greg, as you say, but Deathstroke and Hawkman failed because of you. Credit where it's due, brother, and that's all I'll say on that. Ah, comics. My sales went up on those books, Scott Snyder. Sorry, bud. LOL, and you can put that in your pouch and keep it for later. One word, hot. Two words, swamp thing. Not all creations equal. Batman is the number one selling character in the history of the biz. Period. End of story. Will endure beyond creator careers. 
LOL. My good buddy Rob posted our conversation. I think it says all there is to say about the matter. No? And back to our regularly scheduled programming. I'll echo what my brother Greg Capullo said before. All of us on Team Batman are extremely proud of the success, and that success is due to your support. But as the team on the book, if we didn't believe that your incredible and humbling support was due at least a little to us doing a somewhat decent job... If we sat back and said, Batman sells Batman, what sort of book would that engender? We have to think that sales are because you guys like what we're doing on the book. It fuels us to continue to do stories that matter to us, knowing that you're willing to tell us you like what we're giving you on a character that means everything to us both. That's it. I will not fight or post another negative tweet about Rob or anyone, and I want to say sorry to you and no one else, to you, the fans of the comics, not just me or Rob, for bothering with this. It's a waste, and we should be pushing the good, not attacking each other, and I'm guilty of that too, so I'm sorry to you for going negative. Thanks to those of you who reminded me of that. How many tweets was that last one there, there uh, Scott? <laughs> I think that was uh, one of those extended tweets that you have to click the link for. I think we need some production behind this. I think we need like masterpiece theater violin music next time we <laughs> Twitter with Aaron, Polly, Tim Wayne, and Andrew. Next time we read the tweets. Yes. Master tweet theater. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ah, good times. That Rob Liefeld, he has one one crazy, crazy fuck. I mean, he just I don't know how someone manages their uh, adult career the way they do when you just burn every bit bridge that you cross. You know what I'm saying? Particularly when you're not as talented as you think you are. You know, maybe somebody switched up his meds. Mm. Because most of the time I have those thoughts. I just don't say them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I think that shit all day, but, you know, uh, I, I just I don't get it. I, I would like to say before we move on from this subject of conversation that Aaron has probably been practicing that Rob Liefeld voice all week. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was totally worth it, Aaron. Totally worth it. I, I you know, I, I I try to like Rob Liefeld. I do, but beyond the fact that I can't stand his art or writing, his online personality irritates the living fuck out of me. So just, basically, you try to like him, but you don't like you like nothing about him. That's, that is exactly <laughs> correct. I, I, I have been largely unsuccessful in this regard. <laughs> I try not to beat my wife, but sometimes she just asks for it. Yeah, sometimes she's a little mouthy and, you know, spare the rod, spoil the spouse. That's why I say. <laughs> Zeros came out from DC this week. Well, since we're talking about Scott Snyder, let's talk about the Zero issue that he wrote this week and see if he had anything to do with us buying Batman number zero. Ooh, 80,000 uh, copies of Batman Zero. Good job, Scott. Aaron, would you have bought it if it was written and written and directed, written and drawn by uh, Mr. Rob Liefeld? Fuck no. <laughs> but, uh, but with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo on the team, Oh, what, no, what inspired I, you to pick up Batman number zero, may I ask? Well, you know, I I read Batman in trade <clears throat> and really enjoy it in trade. Like, for instance, I just finished the uh, uh, first hardcover of the DC New 52 Volume 1 Batman, and it is a strong book. I mean, the, the whole Night of Owls storyline is really strong. I've read a little bit more into the current storyline because you sent me your floppies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the book is just so damn good. So of course I was going to pick up Batman number zero because I just can't wait for the trade. Um, I was a little disappointed though in the first half of this book. I have to completely agree with you. Yeah. The, um, the, it's kind of sad because that's the half written by Scott Snyder. It's not that I was disappointed in in what I read. I was disappointed in that that was all I read. Um, the spoilers on. The book ends with it to be continued in 2013. Uh, yeah, and that's what I thought was some bullshit. I'm like, how does that work? This well, is a prequel <laughs> to the comic. And, well, and I was just could not be less interested in the way they were telling, which was essentially almost like a year one story for Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I it seems a little rough to have the uh, the uh, entire. You know, Batman's there undercover, so it's Bruce Wayne undercover, or B-Dub, as we like to call him. Um, <clears throat> he's there undercover, and people get killed while he's there. So it's kind of a little harsh beginning for for, uh, for Bruce as well. 
But I just <clears> – <throat> I think there's no reason this couldn't have been a full-on story as opposed to having a backup story in the book. Because, you know, we had a second story by uh, James Tinian the Fourth, which is a little pretentious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he, he is the writer on the upcoming Talon series. Ah, was unaware of that. But uh, the backup story was fantastic. And I think that's why. I mean, the backup story was great. Yeah, the backup story was fantastic. Um, you know, it just kind of told the story of where Batgirl and all the Robins were when they hooked up with Batman. Um, and I, I thought that was really artfully done. I thought that was a that, that was a terrific way to tell the story. So largely, my my disappointment in the book was that you're reading a Batman Year One or maybe even a Year Zero type of story. And Batman never appears on those pages. It's all Bruce. True. I wasn't True. buying Bruce Wayne Year Zero. I was buying Batman Year Zero. And, you know, I'm sorry. I like to see Batman. You know, I like to see the cape and the cowl and him scaring the shit out of criminals and whatnot. And um, I don't – when I'm buying a, a, an issue zero, I shouldn't have to have my gratification delayed for another six months. You know, yeah, I, you, should, you should be able to get your complete zero story in your zero issue book. It shouldn't be. I gotta say, sorry. uh, That's the only issue I had with it. I didn't have the same issues you did about not seeing Batman. I kind of got the impression that some of this was between the chapters of Batman Year One, Mm -hmm. Um, especially the conversation that Batman has with Commissioner Gordon, right? Which was one of my favorite scenes of the book. Um, That uh, basically Batman is testing out his new timed battering. That um, you know, he sets a timer on it. He throws it, and it comes back to him when the timer runs out. And basically, he throws the battering. It has a four-minute timer, and him and Commissioner Gordon are having a conversation while the timer's counting down. And he's trying to get Commissioner Gordon to basically go go the hell away before the battering comes back to him and reveals that he's Batman. I, I thought that was a really cool scene. And again, I liked this book a lot. I was, but I was frustrated that it was an incomplete story. Right. And um, because it says in 2013, does, I mean, was that basically DC saying we're going to have another zero month in September, 2013? You know, it, or, I mean, does that mean we're going to have to literally wait a year to get the end of the storyline? <clears throat> uh, I'm very curious about that. Uh, I, 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 I would like, I would have liked a little more than to be continued in 2013. I would have liked to be continued in blah, blah, blah in 2013. Right. That way I know when it's coming up. Yeah. No, I, I didn't care for that. I didn't care for that. But I think, I think it's a good book. I mean, you know, Greg Capullo can draw the shit out of some, out of some comics. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the action sequences were great. <clears throat> I mean, it was just – it was dynamite storytelling. It was just incomplete. Right. Right. And but I the backup like... feature, like you said, the backup feature was definitely the star. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you get – where Tim Drake, Jason Todd, Dick Grayson, Barbara Gordon, where they all were the first time they saw the bat signal. And uh, just, I, I thought that all of the, all of their stories were perfect spot on characterizations. You know, um, one of the things that I, I thought was interesting about that is as you're reading it, you know, it, it's kind of telling you where those characters were as, as, as that happened. But wouldn't it have been cool to have all the Robins serving at the same time? Yeah, you know, because you know you got this staggered, uh, you know, enlistment of Robins uh, through the years. I, I was just sitting there going, man, that'd be kind of cool to have like three Robins serving all at the same time. You know, you know, Batman and Robins. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be kind of cool. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if who knows? Maybe they'll rewrite continuity next year. Just go, let's just do an Elseworlds book. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, and you know what we didn't see in Batman number zero was where Damian Wayne was, but that's because he was probably not born at the time. Right. He was, he was still, you know, uh, a twinkle in Batman's eye. Well, so, you know, in Batman and Robin number zero, we get an origin story basically of Damian. Um, well, I mean, we know what his origin was, you know, Bruce Wayne and Talia had sex, but, uh, you know, Damien was raised hey, in... Uh, hey, don't make it sound so simple. I mean, that's some dirty, dirty stuff going on between Bruce and Talia. <laughs> so you see the birth of Damien, um, his very first moments in life, and uh, basically his first nine birthdays. 
And uh, Tib, you, you've been uh, pretty quiet, but I know you read this book. What'd you think of it? Holy shit, this is a great book. <laughs> oh my god, this is my book of the week easily, and potential book of the year. Oh, I love this book. God damn, he gets he's born, and his mom's like, "That's fantastic," and then throws his little baby ass in the Lazarus pit. Oh my god, that's great. <laughs> And the story is Damien every year asking about who his father is and his mom being this hardcore bitch. It's like, when you can beat me in battle, I'll tell you about your father. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. And now anybody else, did it remind you of your mom? Uh, no, not, not so much, <laughs> but still pretty awesome. I don't, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I rarely, rarely notice the the title of of the of a story usually, but the title of this one is called "Someday Never Comes." Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're a, C, a CCR fan, but that's a that's a father son kind of song too. Right. Holy crap! I loved it. Just phenomenal. So, Aaron, what you think? I you know I dug it too. I, uh, I I loved the whole concept of you know I'll tell you who your dad is as soon as you can beat me in in, in combat. And so every year he's you know raising the stakes, you know, and and it really just kind of drives it drives him. You know, he becomes obsessed with I'm going to beat her. I'm going to find out who my father is. And uh, I, I thought it was terrific. And I loved some of the scenes, you know, him dropping out of the sky with machine guns, you know, the skiing down the slope, you know. Uh, I just I, I thought this book was very well done. The double D winging. Oh, yes. oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and cut those wings off the uh, man bat in flight. <laughs> yeah, uh, because for those who don't know, Talia, um, in the storyline where Damian Wayne was introduced, basically has an army of man bat ninjas, and uh, and this book you know shows basically how they're used to train Damian. And uh, this book ends in the exact moment that Damien meets Batman that you see in you know, the first issue Damien popped up in, which actually brings me to an issue I had with the book. Uh-oh. So at the end of all these zero issues, they have a who's who thing. Okay. And um, so if you look at it, it says Damien's first appearance – Batman and Robin number one, yeah, I saw 2011. That. Yet they are specifically referencing something that happened pre New 52. Yep. That has not we have not seen on panel in you know in New 52. So, I mean, I I I really dislike what they're trying to do there. Right. Yeah. It's- uh- I, I, I absolutely agree with you. You know, it's it's. I mean, I, I understand that you know the new fifty two just kind of you know wipes away the old continuity. But when you're carrying so much of the old continuity into the current continuity, it seems a little strange not to uh, reference his true first appearance. Yeah, exactly. Um, it just it just very odd. Yeah, uh, and you know, for those who are. <clears throat> interested in the story uh it's batman and son is uh the name of the collection and which, I believe which they have the ad for at the back of the digital comic yeah well yeah, yeah. but it doesn't count because damien's first appearance was batman and robin number one right. it also doesn't count because it's the digital part okay somebody yeah. somebody's gonna have to spank tim <laughs> but uh but damien's first actual appearance was batman 655 just saying well, I, I don't want to discount what you're saying, Paul, but that is so not the writer artist right there. No, no, I agree. I think that I know that is totally DC to editorial extent, mandate. Trying, yeah, editorial mandate. But it, I think it's frustrating when you're advertising. You know, you're you're trying to advertise these books, and at the same time, telling us that they don't matter. They think they're all we're all stupid, Paul. Well, clearly they do. But we're not. We are absolutely not stupid. It's not yeah. like we're so stupid we bought eleven <laughs> fucking issues of Avengers versus X Men when the first one wasn't all that great. I just, I just want you to know, Paul, you beat me to that same transition. By about- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, not all of us get Avengers versus X Men after the first. Aaron, so Sorry. Paul, Aaron, explain yourselves. <laughs> Hey, you know, Olivier Copiel art this time. Yeah, yeah. 
It wasn't all that great, though, to be honest with you. It seemed a little rushed, even though this issue was delayed two weeks. Yeah. Well, you know, Olivier Copiel art is still better than just almost anybody else's, even if it is rushed. I will agree. I will agree. Um, now, I figured out who Cap is speaking to on the first page, you know, the, about, the mid- reader. about midway through. Um, but, you know, Cap is, is standing out in the desert. And, you know, he's like, I'm sorry to come to you like this. You know, I respect you and your space, and I would never come to you unless I was at the end of my rope. And I am at the end of my rope. I don't know if you know. We've been at war with the X-Men over. No, we've been at war with Scott Summers, Cyclops. They, he has a cosmic power called the Phoenix Force, and we just cannot win the fight in front of us. We can't win it. Everything keeps escalating. I'm worried about what's going to happen next. I'm worried that the power they are holding is more than they can handle. In fact, I know it is. We all do. Everyone seems to know it but Scott Summers. What happens when they aren't able to handle it any longer? So I need more than I have. I I need more firepower. So I'm coming to everyone. I'm coming to you. I don't know what you feel about what's been going on with the X-Men, but I was hoping that with our history together – I was hoping you would join us. I know you. I know you only fight a fight worth fighting. And I'm telling you this is one of those fights. If we lose this, we lose everything. Will you help us, please? And so that's Cap, you know, standing out there on this mesa in the desert. And you flip the page, and it's the Hulk. And he says, yes, Hulk will smash for you. Now, when has anyone had to be so eloquent with the Hulk? When has anyone had to – I mean, I understand that you got to motivate him to fight for you, but when has Hulk ever been moved by words? I well, and uh, I don't believe uh, – is that the Hulk that is currently in the Marvel Universe? Because that doesn't seem like the Hulk that's in the Incredible Hulk title written by Jason Aaron. I cannot keep up with all the fucking Hulks, Paul. <laughs> Well, you know, because Brian Michael Bendis is writing the Hulk Smash Hulk, Uh and I don't believe that's actually the Hulk that is currently in continuity. But, I mean, I guess because Brian Michael Bendis says he is, that's what he is. Well, he's an architect. Who are you to question an architect, Paul? Um, Well, Jason Aaron's an architect, too. Eh. Yeah, but he's not senior architect in charge. (laughs) He's not the SAIC. We're migrant workers bringing the lumber for the architects to build this crap house. Yeah, that's right. Jason Aaron is a migrant in the work stream. <laughs> <laughs> he is a, a, a junior architect. Means <laughs> <laughs> he gets to get coffee for Brian. Michael. That's right. Hey, Jason, give me some coffee. <laughs> go, go write some. J- J- Jason, Jason, scratch my balls. <laughs> Where are the donuts, Aaron? <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, that, so the first – I was already turned off at that scene because, you know, Captain America goes through this whole speech, and I'm like, you have a Hulk, and you have a Hulk that's stronger than Green Hulk. I don't understand what the problem is. Or, wait, you know, wait, hold on. Last time Green Hulk and Red Hulk got in a fight, Red Hulk got his ass handed to him. No, Red Hulk is stronger than Green Hulk. Red Hulk punched out the Watcher. <laughs> Yeah, that, but that's only because he doesn't have any class. Well, he's got this big fat head and a glass jaw. I I, I thought that Green, that Red Hulk was stronger than Green Hulk. I could be wrong. Uh, Hulk but, is know, the strongest one there is, Paul. Uh, well, yes. The matter Hulk uh, gets, the stronger Hulk gets. And how much did Hulk do in this issue? Uh, not a whole lot. <laughs> he, he threw a punch. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's this there's this very there's this scene where he's standing behind Emma Frost, and you're like, he is going to paste Emma Frost. And then you really don't get to see that. Oh, he pounds her, but I mean, ultimately, it's Scott Summers who takes her down. Yeah. So, so what was what's the big deal? You could have just had the Hulk show up in a scene, yeah. Instead of having that big build up, yeah, yeah. So I, I think what we were supposed to this was this was branded as a you must read this kind of kind of comic um, that you know big shit was going to happen. And, uh, you know, a lot of what people were speculating is that this was the issue where Cyclops was going to die, you know. Um, Wait for it. That's not what happens. Um, I, 
I found this issue to be rather predictable in what happened. Of course, Cyclops was going to steal Emma Frost's power so that he could then be the Phoenix. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, and then, you know, of course, you know, something horrible happens to uh, Professor X. But it seems to me, and I'm not a regular X-Men reader, but it seems to me something always horrible is happening to Professor X. Yeah, so I, mean, I have a hard time being emotionally invested in that. Can, can I just say... They made such a huge deal about Professor X dying. He's died like five I know. times already. Yeah, and so I, I have a hard time going, oh my god, oh my god, Professor X is gone, what are we going to do? Oh my god. I, you, know, you know what? I'm... Professor X got shot in the head before. I think this death scene was a little less tragic than that one. Um. Because, I mean, it basically, in this scene, there's a big fiery flower show. And you <laughs> a see fiery Professor flower X show? There's just, like, all these sparkles in the air, and then Professor X is lying on the ground, and everyone's yelling no. I'm like, so is he dead? Yeah, I... No! I, yeah, I, the, the depiction of it left too much to... Uh, to interpretation. Because, you know, you're right. You know, you've got the big Phoenix Force display of power. And then... On one panel, it almost looks like Xavier is being blown apart in the abdomen, right? You know, that you see the shirt tearing and coming up and whatnot. But then, you know, his, he's all in one piece laying on the ground. I don't see anything there that tells me that he's absolutely dead. You know? Well, and this book, this entire book was frustrating. Yeah. Because Xavier's comes in and he's like, tell you what, I'll take down Scott Summers for you. And he almost does. Yeah. Like, he comes in, and he's like, Scott, blah, 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 yada, 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 let's talk, blah, blah, blah. Hey, by the way, you're a dumbass. You don't realize this is all in your head, and we're taking you down in your physical form. And, and you know, I thought those scenes were actually pretty effective. I, 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 I did, thought too. I thought the dialogue was really strong between Xavier and uh, Scott. But does someone want to tell me why that didn't happen six issues ago? Yeah. Well, when Xavier's like, I'm not getting in this fight. I mean, haven't they told us throughout this entire series that Xavier's like, I'm not getting in this fight, and yet he's in this fight. Yeah, and and but he could have taken, he could have, yeah, he could have shut Scott down a long time ago. Yeah, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me that oh, let's wait until Scott's the only Phoenix left. <laughs> now you know one of my favorite things in X Men experience is the fastball special where Colossus picks up Wolverine and throws the runt at whatever target, you know, claws first, and, you know, wonderful things happen. So Wolverine, seeing that, uh, you know, uh, Professor X has been, you know, shredded, whatever you want to call it, you know, turns around to the Hulk, mind you, and says, throw me. Now, this seems like a wonderful opportunity to do something terrific on the page, right? To have this nice, powerful, you know, uh, you know, whether it works or not, a nice, powerful graphic of, you know, the Hulk throwing fucking Wolverine claws first. Did you notice that his claws were never out front? Did you notice that, you know, he's got his claws behind him on the throw? That, you know, they're, they're, they're not pointing out so that when he lands, he lands claws deep, you know? Um, no. And so he, he's not even aerodynamic in, in the way that he, he's going, you know, you'd always see it when Colossus would throw him, you know, he'd, he'd streamline his body. So he maintains his speed, but no Wolverine is, is, you know, uh, vertical to the ground. You know, he's not parallel to it. I, I, I just, I think it was a really missed opportunity to, to show something cool there. Well, I think they decided, Hey, let's not make a fun book anymore. Is is basically what it boils down to because this book is not fun. Yeah, you know it's called Avengers versus X Men, but it hasn't been fun. So I, uh, I my comic book guy, I I overheard this whole Professor X is he dead debate. Right. My comic guy was like, "You've been reading this." I said, "Oh no, you mistake me for my other my other <laughs> podcast hosts who clearly still give a damn." <laughs> it's um. There's only one issue left. Only three weeks away. Um. But, so they say. So they say. Oh. Just very lackluster. Um, everything about this issue was lackluster. And everyone's praising it, but really it is just a very lackluster issue. The death scene was 
unemotional. Um, Scott Snyder taking over the Phoenix, predictable. I mean, it just nothing about it feels permanent. Yeah. Um, and nothing about it feels all that important, to be honest with you. No. Well, you know, I, I, it feels like we've this should have been maybe a six issue series, you know, with less hand wringing from so many people standing on the sidelines. Um, I, 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 and that way you could, you could have reined in your artists and I think it all should have been drawn and ready to go before you started marketing it. That's a biweekly series. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I will be eager to talk about this series once it's all said and done, you know, and kind of look back on it and, you know, See what if our if our initial thoughts held up to the ending. I am I am certain we will be disappointed as we have been in other Marvel events at the end of it. Agreed. I think most Marvel events don't read well. Yeah. After the fact, because uh, I'll say Civil War actually reads much worse after the fact than it did at the time. I disagree with you. I think Marvel, really? I think Civil War holds up. Yeah. I, the endings, maybe just because I know what came after. I think the the pro, I think the fundamental problem with Civil War is that it's that you really have to read Death of Captain America with it. Yeah, um, and it should that that's really one story, not two. You know, True. because of the fallout. Um, that that's that's largely my complaint with it. So, so anyway, I, I we we will talk all about this. I'm hoping we get another Infinite Comic with the last issue. Yeah, yeah I hope so. Yeah, because, I mean, that's really been the star of this whole series, has been the Infinite Comics. Well, that's because Mark Wade can write some comics. Motherfucker, yeah. yeah. So, Brian Michael Bendis, though, is the main writer for AVX-11, and he's writing Avengers Assemble, um, nearing the end of its first arc, actually the end of his only arc with the title. Right. Um, you know, Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Mark Bagley are doing the initial arc. And after them, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Stefano Caselli are taking over. Talk to me about of, talk to me about that cover on issue seven, Paul. Uh, with uh, Thanos. Uh huh. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 sported a little wood on that, didn't you? Just a little bit. Yeah. Because you know you, you know I love me some Thanos. I know you do. The only thing I like better than Thanos is Dark Side. Oh, really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I uh, I I was very excited when I saw the cover. Less excited when I got to see how little of Thanos is actually in this book. Well, less excited when I saw that the art in the book, forgive me for saying this, is crap. Uh, that um, seems harsh. It's okay. Correct. Uh, Maybe that's a little <laughs> harsh. Okay. Every time I saw Rocket Raccoon, I realized that Mark Bagley can't draw Rocket Raccoon. How about I, that? I will agree with you there. He draws him like a human. Yeah. No, the his nose is too short. Um, he doesn't look like a raccoon. You know, it's yeah. only by the fact that, that he's called Rocket Raccoon that uh, you understand that he is, in fact, a raccoon. He, he could be like Rocket Furry Man. That's right. That's right. Short Rocket Furry Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really not as good a name as Rocket Raccoon. I mean, how many, how many comics of, of short Rocket Furry Man would you buy? I'd probably buy at least the first issue. <laughs> you know me. Yeah, true, true. I I, I really enjoyed uh, the moment with Thanos summoning together the uh, cosmic elders. Mm. You know, um, but that's the first one, two, three, four pages of the book. And then you don't get Thanos again until the very end of the book. And that that was my frustration is that, you know, I just really wanted more Thanos. Yeah, I mean, I did. I wasn't really frustrated about that. Even it, well, even though, honestly, this issue and last issue have just really felt like distractions from the main storyline. Right. Um, but I've enjoyed the distraction, actually. You know, I think it's been fun. Um, it's 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 been a fun story with. The uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and, you know, teaming up with the Avengers, even though really – am I the only who, who sees that they're all in this just because they keep screwing up? Yes. I mean they got sucked out of an airlock because Hawkeye shot something that caused them to. You know, Paul, I mean I know that, that, that you want to lay blame at the feet of the Avengers, but, you know, astronauts go through months, even years of training – 
before they go up into space. And these Avengers just haven't been adequately trained. You think you could do so much better, Paul? Do you? Do you? Um, probably. I, I probably wouldn't get accidentally sucked out of an airlock. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I would not shoot an arrow that would cause me to get sucked out of an airlock. Well, you say that, but sometimes it just seems like a good idea. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, I, I, I like the scope of the story. I like that the Badoon have returned as villains and that the Avengers are fighting them. And this seems to be one of those, you know, terrific Marvel Comics, you know, space adventures with our Earth heroes. Um, I do want to draw your attention to one page in the book, Paul. There is a tribute to uh, Joe Kubert. 1926 to 2012, Joe, the father of uh, of uh, Adam and uh, that other Andy. cute, yeah, Andy, thank you, um, you know, passed away several uh, uh, several weeks ago. And you know, can I just ask a favor, guys? Um, when you know I pass away and y'all put a full page uh, spread of me, you know, in tribute, could could you not use me, could you not use an image of me as a, an old fellow where it looks like I barely remembered to brush my teeth that day? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, how about, how about a picture of the guy when he's in his prime and, you know, images of all the wonderful things that he's drawn and, you know, a picture of a school or something? Why does it have to be, you know, hey, here I am, old guy? You know? Well, you know, like the DC... A two-page spread. Uh huh. Did, did you see that? I did. One? I did. That, that was that was. It was uh, very well done. Yes, but more tasteful. Yeah, and, but you know, show the guy doing something. You know, this is just like, hey, old guy, look over here. We're gonna take your picture. You know, I, I show him drawing, show him doing shit. You know, don't just have him just standing there. He, this man was an artist. He was a teacher. You know, show him in the classroom. Show him, show him behind the easel. Show what he did. You know, and that's all they have is this kind of little halftone Captain America behind him. Uh, you know, Kubert Kubert was uh, you know vastly influential in this uh, this uh, you know genre, this medium. Um, I, I don't think they adequately demonstrated that here. Just yeah, I, I mean, I get, I get, I get it. Uh huh. I get your frustration with it. I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. And because of that, you, you don't recommend Avengers Assembled number seven? I actually kind of enjoyed Avengers Assembled number seven. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's considering how much I really disliked the first couple of issues of this title. Did you just jump in when Guardians of the Galaxy popped up? I did. That's when the title got good. Yeah. Well, you know, it looked like an actual Avengers book. Yeah. You know, Until it, then, the book was. Honestly, it was terrible. Well, well, don't get me wrong. I really have enjoyed what Bendis has done with the Avengers in his tenure there. You know, but they've been so involved in interpolitical things, and you know, it's all you know deconstructed storytelling and you know very personal. I kind of like this big, crazy, wonky cosmic battle storyline. You know, and th- th- that's that's the Avengers that I grew up on and cut my teeth on. I uh, I, I, I dig this. No, I agree. I agree, but. That's not again. Those I think the first four issues, Uh maybe five issues, just no four issues, just terrible storytelling, just terrible, terrible books. Um, unlike anything Bendis has ever written. I mean, on the Avengers titles before, I just I really can't recommend the first couple of issues of the title. But you could pick it up at the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff and be fine. Yeah. And the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff is a lot of fun. Wish Rocket Raccoon was rendered a little differently, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and they, they still haven't announced who, uh, who will be taking over a Guardians of the Galaxy title in the Marvel Now initiative. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll see who it is. Uh, you know, I like the way that Bendis writes them. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, st- I'm a little frustrated that we still haven't gotten any explanation as to what has happened. Uh, how these characters have returned since the Thanos imperative. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering if we will ever get that yeah. or if they're just not going to bother. You really shouldn't ask those types of questions. Yeah, I, but didn't I, we I just, see something that uh, Abnett and Lanning are going to be writing some Marvel books? Did we? I thought we saw something on that. Maybe I maybe I just dreamed that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be a dream. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, if, to me, it just seems like they're just going to disregard the stuff Abnett and Lanning did at yeah. the end there. Yeah, you might be right. Uh, which would which would not be good because Thanos Imperative was was a damn good storyline. Yeah. But 
Well, what about uh, Journey into Mystery? So, Journey into Mystery 643 is the third part of Everything Burns, the concluding chapter of uh, Mighty Thor by Matt Fraction and Journey into Mystery by Kieran Gillen. And, uh, you know, this is where everything that has been built up in both arcs kind of comes to a head. And, uh, Tim, I I know you've been reading both books, even Mighty Thor by Matt Fraction. What did you think of the big twist in Journey into Mystery 643? Wow, was I pissed. <laughs> wow, I was so mad, Paul. And and and, and I will, we'll, we'll explain it a little bit more. We'll, we'll get into spoiler territory. But all I can think, Paul, is that he's still playing the game. That's the only thing going through my mind as I'm reading this. Otherwise, if, this is, if he's not, this is awful. That's what I want to say. I think he's still playing the game, and I'll yeah, tell you why. I, I think so that's, basically, I think that's it's true too. It's kind of been revealed, um, or it's kind of revealed in this issue. This issue that Loki has been bad the whole time. This is exactly what he wanted to happen, and um, he. Uh, that's not true. You know, he, that's not true. He, he's been Loki's a sweet boy. planning it the whole time. Loki's a sweet boy. <laughs> it, yeah, but if there's one truth, Aaron, it's that Loki lies. Yeah, but Loki is a sweet boy. So, well, it, you know, one of you is lying. Well, see, here's the thing. It, it's revealed that he can't he can't really get to Surtur the way he, he wants. And so he kind of, like, has this conversation with uh, Leah to kind of explain that. That he can't get at Surtur. And then she pipes up, well, what if we work together? And so that's what makes me, leads me to believe that he's playing it. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that, that this is ultimately going to fashion out, that Loki is still playing the game. And, uh, but, you know, I'm okay with that. But, how, you ready for this, Aaron? This is another... I, 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 <laughs> okay, hit me. You're gonna like. You're going to like this. Okay. Is Lady Loki back? Is that what you're about to tell me? Because I no, really like Lady no, no, Loki. No, no, no. no, so did I. Okay. But no. How 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 does this hit you, King Volstag? Wait a minute. I think I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah. Which Paul? I'm a little confused. I don't remember them deciding that. Did I miss something? No, the book. Uh, I was wondering that myself. I think that was decided in the Mighty Thor number twenty. Oh, like the zero issue, maybe. No, I mean like the like the second part of this storyline. I think. Oh, I read that. I didn't get that. Anyways, Volstagg is officially in charge. They threw like the three the three women <laughs> that were in charge of Asgard like in the clink. Because really, who who really thought that three women were going to lead Asgard? Whatever, stupid. So they've got <laughs> Volstagg in charge. <laughs> you know and the great it, the it, great thing about Volstagg being in charge is that dinner will always be on time. You know, <laughs> there's a scene about he's talking. He's like. Yep, all I can think about is food, and not in the usual way, because now because of this fighting, the elves are going to starve. And if it was usual me, I would say, how could you tell they're skinny anyways? <laughs> it's really good. It was really good. It's just, Paul, I got to that point, and I was reading, and I was getting madder and madder, and then I read the end, and I'm like, I, I about threw the book, and I'm like, wait a minute. He's probably playing the long game still. Yeah, and the reason I think he is, honestly, is there's a an ad in the book, a two-page ad for Marvel Now, I guess the Marvel Now Point One book, and um, it shows uh, Nick Fury throwing out some cards, and it shows, you know, like different people who are going to be important to Marvel Now, and on one of the cards is Wiccan and Loki, like teamed up, Ugh. like kid, kid Loki or grown up Loki, kid Loki. Oh, okay. Oh, so, off my Loki. <laughs> and, I mean, and that's like right in the same book that Journey into Mystery is. I'm like, okay, so first of all, Loki's going to still be around in Marvel now. He's still going to be Kid Loki. And if he's teamed up with Wiccan, there's a pretty good chance he's going to be a good guy. I'd rather so, he was teamed up with Wicket the Ewok. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where it, I am with that. So you're not a Wiccan fan is, is what you're telling me. No, 
Okay. See, I like Wiccan, I but too. I think that was poor placement of the ad. Honestly, it was very spoilerific in a book where they're trying to make you think that Loki's bad. I really hadn't noticed that before, Paul, but that makes me feel better. So I'm glad you spoiled that one. Hey, no problem. It's what I do. <laughs> That's exactly what you do. But Ron Mars is apparently spoiling his own book. <laughs> right? Isn't that what's happening here, Paul? Well, I don't think he's really. Sp- Spoiling it, uh, I, I think he's actually giving it away for free. Is probably the, probably the better term. Same so, difference. <laughs> so, Ron Mars and I believe the artist is Matthew Douth Smith um, have teamed up to do a book called Blackburn Burrow, and is um, it is from Amazon has a new uh, Kindle Comics. Uh, tool. Uh, basically, it's it it's it, for me. It, it kind of seems like their uh, their version of Comicsology. Yeah, and if I were anybody selling comics right now, I would be terrified by this. Yeah, I would uh, just be terrified. Amazon gets whole hog into the comics biz. That's going to change a whole lot of shit. You know what? In a good way, I think. Oh no, um, no. I think the more venues that are out there for for the release of comics, but you know, it's not that that Amazon wants to be a dis- just a distributor. They want to be a publisher. So DC and Marvel need to watch out. Yeah, because this is... Uh, so Blackburn Burrow, uh, th- which is the inaugural release from them, um, I'm going to tell you the, the description. It says, uh, Follow Mr., the legendary fighter rumored to take on the strange and supernatural as he investigates the disappearance of a group of soldiers from a small town in the south. When last heard from, the soldiers spoke of the walking dead, and a mysterious man, Mr., has been tracking all his life. Mr. teams with Marin, a young female survivor, to stop an ancient uprising and discover the family secret that connects his past to the small town of Blackburn Borough. Blackburn Borough is a supernatural horror tale set in Civil War America based on an original screenplay by writer Jay Levy. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a Civil War, you know, ex-Civil War soldier who basically goes around hunting the supernatural, and, you know, he gets pulled into this, uh, this Blackburn Borough quest. And uh, I read the first issue... Which was again entirely free. You can get it from Amazon.com. If you have it on your Kindle, you can get it on Kindle. They have a guided view and everything, just like um, Comicsology. It's a damn good book. And not only that, if you read it, and at the end they have a link, and if you go to that link, you answer a survey, you get a five dollar Amazon credit. So they're essentially paying you five dollars to read this book. Um. So I mean, there, there's there's really there is no way to not recommend this book because it is not only not even if you don't like it you get five bucks out of it but it's actually a really good book yeah i would have read it this week except i kept getting download errors from amazon yeah so i mean i I hope that was just a temporary issue but yeah um you know it's it's a full-size comic and uh if you have a Kindle, obviously it's meant for that. I think there is a Kindle app for iPhone or iPad. There is, and that's what I'm utilizing is the the Kindle app. And it, this this it, is the first. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it shows in my library in the in the Kindle app, but it's just it, it uh, keeps showing a download error. So hmm. I may have to delete it and bring it back in. Yeah, I mean it's the first again the first of its kind. So I've never actually read a, a comic through my Kindle. You know, yeah. I mean, I've read comics on my Kindle, but not through does the Kindle it, reader. Does it have any kind of guided view to it, or are you just you know uh, zooming on your own? No, it has a guided view and everything. Awesome. It's just like reading through Comicsology. Pretty sweet. So you know, I'm I'm hoping that this is a a start for Amazon putting out books, uh, because you know you're going to get some uh, with I mean with creative teams like Ron Mars and Matthew Dow Smith uh, on this first book, and I like both of these guys. Yeah. Um, I, I think you know we're going to see some good stuff. Uh, now, again, you know we've we've talked about going multiple places to get your digital comics and how frustrating that is. Right. But um. Oh yeah. But ultimately, because it uh, irritates know, the hell out of Tim. <laughs> but you know, I mean, Amazon is uh, it's hard to compete with. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I, I'm hoping this is the start of something big for them. I hope it's successful for them. And I do recommend checking out uh, Blackburn Borough. Very good. Very good. Well, what's coming out next week, Paul? Well, I know your favorite book, Danger Girl G.I. Joe, number three. I don't think that's my favorite book. 
Oh, I thought it was your favorite book. No, no. What? I think I think it might be your favorite book, Paul. No. Oh, oh well. Anyway, um, <laughs> Artifacts number 21, speaking of Ron Mars, comes out next week. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Um, Catwoman number zero, Justice League number zero, Nightwing, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Supergirl, Sword, and so- or Sword of Sorcery, and Wonder Woman number zero all come out from DC Comics. Don't need any of those. <laughs> no, we're good. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man number five. Yeah, there you go. You're not going to pick up Justice League number zero? That's It's all Shazam, Aaron. God damn it, Paul. Um, uh, the Mighty Thorn number 20. Uh, yeah. Irresist- Irresistible number three from Xenoscope. And of co- and the newest issue of Daredevil number 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, some, some good books. And, and Aaron, I know you are so excited about World of Warcraft. Pearl <laughs> of... Pearl of Pandaria uh, that takes place in the new Kung Fu inspired World of Warcraft setting. Yeah, I am. I am very excited about that. You are on top yeah, of it. I, wow. You, you love you some World of Warcraft and you love you some Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So combining the two, it, just it, it makes me sad that I won't be here next week to discuss it with y'all because you'll be playing World of Warcraft Pandaria. That's right. Well, dressed up as you know. Okay, I'll be cosplaying while I'm playing on World of Warcraft. <laughs> uh, why won't you be here next week? Because I will be. I will actually be flying back from beautiful scenic California. Why do so you hate us? I will be in the air while you guys are recording. Why do you hate me? I don't even have Andrew it's, anymore. I know. It's pretty it's, bad. It's rough. It's rough. So, uh, but I'll be here I the think week. Aaron's just breaking up with us slowly, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna stop showing up. They say that breaking up is hard to do. It's you a little like easier that. when you sing like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were efforting, Aaron, and we appreciate your effort. Anytime. Anytime. Alright, so I guess we're out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing else to talk about with you losers. Catch you later. <laughs> Bye, then. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>